BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. For reasons that scientists don't quite understand, the monkeypox virus, which has been endemic in parts of Africa for decades, has spread rapidly across the world in recent months. The painful but only rarely fatal disease has mostly affected men who have sex with men. Here in San Francisco, there's been an outbreak, and activists have criticized what they describe as the anemic federal response. This isn't COVID. This isn't HIV. There's a vaccine. Very few people are hospitalized or dying. But at least the undertones of what's happening recall the government's botched response in the early days of those pandemics. We'll talk with monkeypox experts and local activists about what could be done and what's actually happening. That's all coming up after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Monkeypox is not a virus you want to experience. The sores are painful, and they can arise in the most painful of places. The early epidemiology of the outbreak in the U.S. suggests that the disease is spreading through at least intimate and often sexual contact, and often among men who have sex with men. Though it's important to note that anyone can contract the disease. Here's the good news, bad news breakdown. Good news... There's a vaccine, a couple really, but here's the bad news. The federal government hasn't distributed nearly enough doses to meet the demand here in the Bay Area. San Francisco's public health department, for example, requested 35,000 doses and expects to get 4,200 this week. There's a lot to discuss, and we've got a panel of public health and monkeypox experts as well as activists who want the federal government to treat this as the crisis that it is right now in the Bay Area LGBTQ community. Joining us first is Anne Ramoyne, a professor at the Center for Global and Immigrant Health at the UCLA Fielding School of Public Health, who's been studying monkeypox for a long time. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ramoyne. Hi, it's nice to be here. So maybe we should start with the basics, sort of what, what is this virus? What is the disease that it causes? And why is it even called monkeypox? Well, monkeypox is uh, what we call a, a zoonotic disease. It normally starts 
in uh, animals and that's where it uh, resides. Uh, monkeypox is actually uh, not a disease that, that normally uh, resides in monkeys. It's uh, normally in rodents. It's called monkeypox because in the 1950s, uh, it was first uh, observed in a colony of monkeys uh, and, and therefore called monkeypox. Uh, what we know about this virus after studying it for, for many decades is that it actually uh, is, is something that is endemic in, in rodent species mm. in Sub-Saharan Africa. So monkeypox is really a misnomer. Yeah. So as you noted, we've been studying this for decades. It has affected populations in Sub-Saharan Africa for a long time. Why do we think it's now spreading around the world? And should we have been caught flat-footed on this? Well, you know, I, I've been working on monkeypox for a, a very long time, for uh, since the uh, early 2000s in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and we've been observing cases of monkeypox increasing over time. In 2010, my colleagues and I wrote a, a paper that was in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences documenting a 20-fold rise in the incidence of monkeypox since the cessation of smallpox vaccine mm -hmm. and the eradication of, of uh, the virus. Uh, you know, monkeypox is a cousin of smallpox. It... Uh, it was really held at bay uh, because we had a global uh, immunization program uh, for smallpox and we eradicated smallpox from the planet. So it was held at bay uh, and uh, we, we didn't really see cases because we had uh, large scale population mm -hmm. immunity. Once the immunity started to decline in the population, uh, mm. we started seeing when people were exposed through animal contact, we started seeing cases. So it made sense that as you saw population immunity starting to decline, uh, we were more vulnerable to it. And so that's why we started to see cases increases, not increasing. Now, why you're asking, why are we seeing cases now? Well, you know, this is something that we've talked about for a long time an infection anywhere is potentially an infection everywhere. Uh, you know, we have cases increasing in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, we had a very large outbreak in Nigeria, which is an economic uh, hub. Um, so the, uh, we started seeing cases imported from Africa. And because this virus doesn't always present in the way that we see it in DRC, which is a widely disseminated rash, you know, we've seen um, you know, localized rashes in, in um, the genital areas or just a couple of, of, of uh uh, vesicle uh, in, in uh, you know, it might have been um, gone, it have probably has gone undetected for mm. a while. Uh, it just managed to get into uh, social and sexual networks uh, where it was able to spread quickly. And as a result, we're seeing more cases. I think that, you know, there are a lot of people saying, well, how could this possibly happen? And as I said, an infection anywhere is potentially an infection mm. anywhere. We have increased travel, trade, population mm -hmm. growth. You know, all the conditions are right for viruses to be able to, to spread if introduced um, to, uh, to, to networks of, of people that are mobile. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the number of cases in that have been confirmed is relatively small. How effective do you think our case counting is uh, for monkeypox? Well, at this point, we don't really have good situational awareness. We don't have situational awareness here in the United States. We don't have situational awareness in sub-Saharan Africa, where I've uh, you know, spent the vast majority of my career working. Um, we don't have enough testing available. 
the, the, it takes a, a long time to be able to get, uh, uh, you know, somebody to collect samples, to be able to, to then uh, have them sent out for testing. So right now access to testing is, is very poor. When you have poor access to testing, um, you don't have good situational awareness. So, you know, I suspect that we have many, many more cases uh, in that are spreading locally, nationally, and globally, uh, and that as we start to have uh, more access to testing, that you know we'll start to see a lot more mm. cases. We are talking about monkeypox both globally here in the Bay Area and the shortage of vaccines to prevent it locally. We're joined first by Anne Ramoyne, a professor within UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health. And we know lots of people out there have questions about what's happening with monkeypox. Uh, give us a call. Have you tried to get the vaccine? Have you yourself uh, been exposed? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's KQD Forum. And the email is forum at kqd.org. You know, uh, and remind one question, I have for you is with COVID, we realized that asymptomatic spread was a, you know, a, a, an important component of the epidemiological situation that we were dealing with. What do we know about how often being exposed to or being infected with this monkeypox virus leads to the development of the kind of symptoms that we would call the disease? Well, we don't have actually great information on this because most of the information we have is from, um, you know, uh, rural remote villages in sub-Saharan Africa where we don't have perfect descriptions of this uh, virus. It's also a different clade uh, than is circulating here. That is a different variant, right? It, yeah, it's, for uh, it's a different clade. And the, the, uh, the, the other issue is, you know, and even in Nigeria where we do have some situational awareness, it's just still, again, you know, it's been underfunded uh, and we've, we've only started seeing this emergence in uh, Nigeria since 2017. So the, you know, the literature is still uh, mm -hmm. sparse. Uh, what I would also say in terms of asymptomatic infection, you know, we don't know. And I think you know, we know a lot about this virus. We're not starting at zero, but I think we, we need to be humble about what we know, what we don't know. And really be ramping up studies quickly to understand uh, what we're seeing. I, you know, I have seen the, the preprints that do suggest that, um, you know, a monkeypox could be uh, isolated in the, the throat earlier on. Um, it makes sense, you know, to me from a biological perspective. So sure. I mean, there it's, it's very possible that we could see some asymptomatic infection and um, spread also the potential for spread prior to onset of a vesicular rash, which, um, you know, means that people might not know they're infected and they're already infected. Yeah. But, you know, the, the data is still sparse on this in terms of how it's spreading right now. This is a you know, different epidemiologic landscape. And so we really need to, to work quickly to understand it. So with all the recent COVID experience that we've had, does the public health reaction and kind of this vaccine rollout show that we learned anything from COVID or no? Well, I do think we've learned quite a bit about uh, a, quite a bit from COVID. Um, learning about it and then being able to to fix the the systemic issues are are two different things. I think that this is you know laying bare once again that our public health systems are stressed. Uh, that the uh, in principle versus in practice um, are often far. Um, between, you know, there, there's a there's a large distance between them. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that we we really do need to, to um, 
to, to have this, uh, you know, have people really understand, you know, if we're going to be getting in front of emerging pathogens of any kind of, you know, known and unknown viruses, we're going to have to invest in our public health infrastructure. And that means during the, this is in times of peace and in terms of times of war, when it comes to when our enemy is a virus, mm -hmm. we can't say, well, we're, you know, thank God we got over this, this last hump. Now we're going to be okay. We have to learn from it. We have to be able to fortify all of our our infrastructure, all of our um, our capacity to, to be able to respond. And, and that's very difficult in a system that's already stressed. You know, I don't have to, to remind uh, everyone, uh, but I'm going to anyway, we're, we're not done with COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's still a, a, a problem that is stressing our, our health system. We're still um, playing catch up there. So, you know, adding this to it is going to be complicated and uh, stress our system more. And I think that, that we're really seeing the impact of that right now. Do you think that monkeypox is going to become just another endemic disease that people sort of are, are just dealing with on a day in, day out basis? Or can this be contained such that we actually don't see, you know, periodic outbreaks through time? Well, I really hope that the window has not closed to be able to to um, to get to take control of this virus. And certainly, you know, it's not an all or nothing game. You know, this virus may already be widespread. I suspect it's much more widespread than we than we anticipate right now. Uh, the question is, how hard are we going to hit this? Uh, and how are we going to be able to employ the tools to really get this mm -hmm. under under control? You know, even if we get this under control right now, I think we have to remember it's not going to be that, well, we just controlled this and it's all done. Okay, now mm -hmm. let's move on to something else. What this shows us is that this virus has the potential to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, infect people in, in large numbers. And uh, it's something that we, while we, we, we do if we if we really uh, throw the kitchen sink at this, we really can move quickly. I think we will be able to to get this largely under control. But do I think that it's just never going to rear its head again, and that we um, you know can you know we'll just be Eliminate able to put this it, aside? Right. Yeah. No, probably not. Yeah, we're talking about monkeypox. The shortage of vaccines to prevent it. We've been talking with Anne Ramoyne, professor at the Center for Global and Immigrant Health at UCLA Fielding School of Public Health. Thank you so much for joining us, Anne. It's my pleasure. Yeah. When we come back from the break, we're going to turn to the local situation. We're going to have Susan Phillip from the San Francisco Department of Public Health, as well as uh, people who are pushing for a stronger response. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about monkeypox. want to welcome in our local guest, Susan Phillip is the director of the Population Health Division at San Francisco Department of Public Health. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're also joined by Tyler Termier, CEO of San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me. And we're joined by Fernando Gomez Petin Benitez, Deputy Director of the Mission Neighborhood Health Center. Welcome, Fernando. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. A uh, reminder that we're taking your questions on monkeypox here. You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's KQD Forum. And the email is forum at kqd.org. Uh, Susan Phillip, I wanted to start with you with some uh, questions that have come in from listeners. Arturo writes in to say, please give us more context. What does this disease do to people and why should they care and get vaccinated? What does it do to the body? Well, I think that, that that's a great question and uh, really appreciate uh, Dr. Ramoyne's um, great overview of monkeypox. But the reason that we, we care about it in public health is really that this can transmit, this virus can transmit from person to person, and it does cause um, significant um, lesions, um, skin lesions to people, and, it, and they can be very painful, and, um, and, and they take quite a while to heal. And until those lesions have healed over, which can take weeks, people can transmit to other people. So what we are seeing in the current outbreak, not just in San Francisco, but across the state and the country and worldwide, is that these are, are spreading, these lesions are found in genital areas. And so it, it, they can be quite painful and quite concerning. And that is why we really want people to have the information to prevent monkeypox and that we're, why we're trying so hard to get vaccines available um, and administered to people in San Francisco. Can you tell us what the local situation is here in San Francisco? Like, how many people are, have we confirmed? How many people do we think may have been exposed? How many people are we testing? Like, give us some of those basic on-the-ground facts. Sure. Well, and as Dr. Ramoyne said, we uh, we know that there are likely many more cases than we have been able to test. Testing has been a limitation. More recently, some of the big national labs have opened up testing, and our own uh, San Francisco Department of Public Health, Public Health Lab, as of July 12th, has also started testing. So that has really uh, increased the numbers of people that can get tested and increased the number of cases that we are seeing. So we have 141 cases um, in San Francisco, and, um, and, and that's a significant portion of the cases in uh, California as well, which are 356 as of, as of today. So, so we know that we have a lot of uh, cases and we're continuing to diagnose people and seeing people um, who, who are coming into our, um, our city clinic, our sexual health clinic, and to other clinics across the city with, with lesions. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about local vaccine availability. You know, we have a colleague here who had to go all the way to Sacramento to get a vaccine. Like, why is that? Uh, and do you anticipate that vaccines will become more widely available? Like, when do you anticipate that might happen? 
Well, the, the issue of a vaccine shortage is, is not limited to San Francisco, and this is really dependent on the supply that we are able to get through the federal government. The way that it works in San Francisco is that there are a federal uh, stockpiles or federal allocations of this vaccine. It then goes uh, to states in most instances and then to cities and counties. So San Francisco receives a portion of the vaccines that come to California. The underlying issue is that there are just not enough vaccines uh, globally of this vaccine type called called Genios. Mm -hmm. And um, that that is really the the issue. So certainly in San Francisco, we have uh, we have a greater need for vaccine than we received. Uh, We have received about 7000 vaccines to date. And 4000 of those have just received have just come in um, yesterday. So we are, you know, our goal is to push these vaccines out to, to partner sites. We have 10 sites across the city. We're continuing to try to expand that network and give people different options for how they can get vaccine. But we do know that there are many more people in San Francisco that could benefit from the vaccine than are able to get it. And that is a that is a, a big public health challenge right now. Mm-hmm. Listener Michael tweets, you know, I'm old enough to have been vaccinated against smallpox. Will that do me any good or is that too long ago? And I did have chicken pox as a child. Would that be of any help? Well, the history of chicken pox would, would not be uh, of benefit here. It's a, it's a different virus. And so that, um, that prior uh, history does not offer protection against monkeypox. Now, being vaccinated against smallpox would have some cross protection against monkeypox. Um, It does seem that people who have been uh, vaccinated against smallpox in the past have partial protection. So they may not have as as a severe uh, a case of monkeypox. It may not be full protection. So currently the, the guidance from CDC and our guidance in San Francisco is that people still, if they have an exposure to monkeypox, still try and receive uh, the vaccine after exposure. So if you get a dose of vaccine after you've been exposed, um, ideally within four days, but before you uh, develop symptoms, it uh, can prevent developing, uh, developing lesions and that is advised. But the vaccine can be given up to 14 days um, after uh, after exposure. So, uh, yes, that would be the answer. It's likely that there's partial protection, but still, if a, pe- if a person has a known exposure, they should seek out vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Termier, CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, what do you think the federal response says? Like, do you feel like it has been adequate in kind of rising to this emerging crisis? Yeah, you know, I think this in so many ways is a public health failure at the federal level to be responsive to what could have been a foreseeable outbreak of monkeypox in our community based on what we were already seeing Mm. around the country and in other parts of the world. You know, it was uh, in 1982 when San Francisco AIDS Foundation formed in a similar moment of crisis due to an initial failure in a federal public health response to what was then the HIV epidemic or the beginning of that epidemic. And it was really our own community that had to rise up to support one another, educate each other, and to fight for access and resources that we needed and deserved as LGBTQ plus people. And it really feels like we are back in a moment where we're doing the best we can with a complicated situation on the public health side, but as individuals who come from this community um, it is a frightening time and feels like the federal response is not on our side. Hmm. What do you want to see 
happen differently with the federal response and, and what's happening in San Francisco on the ground? Yeah, I think that there feels as though there's a lack of urgency that once again is existing in the federal public health response impacting cisgender and transgender men as well as non-binary folks within the same social and sexual networks in our country and here in our community. I think we are doing our best as community organizations to partner with local public health who is navigating a very complicated situation with an extremely limited amount of supply um, a vaccine on hand. What I would love to see happen is more vaccine um, production, more robust distribution into the cities that are being hardest hit or where we know there are events coming up in the foreseeable future where monkeypox could continue to spread, that we are elevating any and all conversations about vaccine equity in our communities and that anything we can do to reduce the bureaucratic barriers that exist currently for accessing testing and treatment of monkeypox be reduced so that we can get ahead of this curve before the window closes. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about the messaging around monkeypox, balancing sort of targeting of information and resources to particular communities versus not wanting to stigmatize any particular part of the LGBTQ plus community just how do you want people to talk about this and sort of what are you seeing that's effective in getting information to the people who need it? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really complicated strategy in that we truly want to ensure that we're emphasizing that anyone can get monkeypox and that as we talk about it, we're promoting it as a public health concern that could impact all in our communities that there is no specific biological reason that men who have sex with men are Mm -hmm. at any higher risk, but that like any transmittable infection, a higher risk might simply come from being a part of social or sexual networks that include other people who may have the infection. Mm -hmm. I think the balance here is both making sure that we're talking about it as a public health concern for all, but getting the messaging to gay and bisexual men in particular who um, need to know about monkeypox, to be educated about what to be looking for and where to go if they believe they've been exposed and certainly how to get connected if they do have symptoms. Yeah. We're talking about monkeypox both globally as well as the local situation here. We're joined by Susan Phillip, director of the Population Health Division in San Francisco's Department of Public Health. Tyler Termier, CEO of San Francisco AIDS Foundation. And want to make sure that Fernando Gomez Benitez, uh, deputy director of the Mission Neighborhood Health Center, comes into the conversation here. Fernando, what are you seeing at the clinic level? Like, are, are people... Scared? Are people, how, how are they sort of confronting what's happening? Uh, actually, uh, the reports that we're getting from our our staff from uh, our HIV clinic, uh, the name of the clinic is Clinica Esperanza, mm-hmm. and our prep clinic is that there is lots of concerns around what is happening with, uh, uh, with monkeypox. Uh, as of uh, this past uh, week, we have uh, three confirmed cases and 15 suspected cases mm. among our uh, HIV-positive uh, patient population. Uh, our population is uh, 
give or take around 400 patients that we serve per year. And we have around 150 uh, patients that we serve in our PrEP clinic. Uh, as of now, we have not identified anyone from the PrEP clinic. I think that uh, 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 another concern that has been posed to our staff has been, uh, uh, and I think that we should have this type of conversation, is the stigma associated with this illness and the targeting of uh, of LGBTQ uh, 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 communities. We feel that uh, uh, this is reminiscences of what happened with uh, the HIV-AIDS epidemic in the late 90s, early I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s, when uh, uh, it was, if you recall, it was called GRID, right? Gay-related immune deficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, uh, any any type of infectious disease, any type of transmissible disease, uh, uh, what we should as community, uh, the Departments of Public Health and our federal partners, is that uh, we find ways to destigmatize uh, uh, what is happening. I think that uh, uh, when it hits that gay men, bisexual men, are uh, the the vectors of this uh, uh, of this infection? I think that uh, that uh, 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 is not helpful in terms of uh, getting health education messages and prevention uh, uh, measures uh, uh, to implement. I think that it's very important that we uh, try to be objective in that sense. Yeah. And finally, I just want to mention something mm-hmm. uh, with COVID nineteen here in San Francisco. Even though there was uh, 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 it was. Uh, uh, delayed the response. I think that was was created a good partnership between the Department of Public Health and an array of community groups to develop an, an infrastructure to respond to COVID-19. I think that we have the infrastructure available there to respond to uh, 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 to new threats like monkeypox or whatever comes our way. Uh, uh, your first uh, 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 guest, she mentioned something that I really agreed with is that uh, there needs to be investment in public health. I would add also is that there needs to be investment with community partners. Mm-hmm. It could be primary care clinics. Uh, uh, it could be uh, community groups that do outreach and education that we maintain these investment to be prepared and not uh, just be responsive and reactive to uh, new situations that come about. Because they're at the Mission Neighborhood Health Center and in your different clinics, like your PrEP clinic, your HIV clinic, you have developed these relationships over time. So even if people feel there's some stigma around monkeypox, you have pre-existing relationships with them, right, that help you get them the health services they need, even if they're they're concerned about that stigma. Correct. And all this is based on uh, uh, developing uh, uh, positive therapeutic relationships between our medical providers, our uh, support staff, our nurses, our social workers, our case managers, our health educators, our dietitians with our patient population. I think that that's the basis, the relationship issue. I think that if there's, we call it in Spanish, confianza, trust. If there's trust, then I think that that's the basis of uh, of uh, of positive uh, health outcomes in eventually, and especially with uh, a, a situation like monkeypox, that we uh, the health education message is uh, uh, is conveyed, and also what are the best measures to address this issue and uh, and try to mitigate the effects of monkeypox. Yeah, Fernando Gomez Benitez, Deputy Director, Mission Neighborhood Health Center. We're also joined by Tyler Termier, CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, and Susan Phillip, Director of the Population Health Division in the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Let's bring in uh, Lisa from San Carlos, who has a question. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, thank you. I'm a public health nurse, and so I really appreciate this um, conversation. I have a comment and a question. Of course, I agree 100% with everyone who's saying 
we need more um, public health funding. Uh, it's not just a personal, <laughs> um, you know, wish on my behalf, but uh, countries that have stronger and more vital public health systems have fewer crises, um, acute care crises, and have an overall general, generally healthier population. So that's my two cents for um, a, a robust public health programs. But my question is, the person who commented about the when one gets the, the monkeypox vaccine, um, with, with COVID, we're conditioned that you get the vaccine before you have been exposed as a preventative. Um, and I thought I heard the person say, with monkeypox, once you've been exposed, then you get the vaccine. So I think that clarification, clarification should be made so people listening sure. know when, when they should get it. Yeah, Lisa, thank you for that. I think, Susan Phillip, you're going to say that you should get it before, but you could get it after exposure to. But Susan, uh, thank you for that question and the opportunity to, to clarify. That's a really important point. So uh, the, the, the people at highest risk are the people that have a known exposure. We absolutely want to make sure that there are doses of vaccine available for them as post-exposure prophylaxis. Yes, I absolutely agree that our goal is to have people who could potentially be exposed in the future have the vaccine now as well. With limited doses, it, you know, that is a balancing act. And just yesterday, you know, we expanded who is eligible for doses in San Francisco to say that this would include gay, bisexual, uh, and other men who have sex with men and transgender people who have multiple sex partners as well as sex workers. But we're doing that with the realization that we just don't have enough doses for everyone right now. So it is a balance. And ultimately, we want everyone who is at risk of monkeypox to be able to get the vaccine. And right now in San Francisco and, and across the U.S., and the world that is uh, among uh, populations of people who are uh, LGBTQ. It's really important what Dr. Termir said, this has nothing to do with sexual orientation or gender identity, it is all about networks. Yeah. You know, is any other place in the state, Susan Phillip, getting more vaccine than we are on like a per capita basis? Is there like a, a are we getting shorted here or is everybody getting shorted? Well, I think that this is a challenge that there's just not a, enough vaccine and there is a there is a lot of, of need. And so the, the, the need that people are expressing is is a, is a good sign that they are paying attention and trying to take care of their health and the health of the people around them. So that's the underlying principle. There's just not enough vaccine. The way that we receive vaccine in San Francisco is, is via the allocation that comes to the state overall. The only exception to that in California is Los Angeles and Los Angeles, as well as some other large cities, um, receive a direct allocation from the federal uh, government. And my understanding is that Los Angeles received 9,000 doses in this last allocation where the rest of the state received 14. I mean, I think our advocacy and the advocacy of our leadership has really been on the larger picture of getting more vaccine. Um, Dr. Termir and his team at the, at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation have done that. The Alice B. Toklas LGBTQ Democratic Club have done that. And our, many of our elected officials have done that as well. Uh, Mayor Breed has really uh, been on this also. Thank you. We're talking about monkeypox and the local response to the outbreak. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more Forum right after this break.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. We're talking about monkeypox and the local response to the outbreak here. We're joined by Susan Phillip, director of the Population Health Division in the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Fernando Gomez Benitez, deputy director of the Mission Neighborhood Health Center. And Tyler Teramir, CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. And we are taking your comments and questions about what's happening with monkeypox here locally the number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. you have questions about the response, about the disease, you can get in touch. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum, or the email is forum at kqed.org. Uh, Tyler Termier, I wanted to ask you about that L.A.-San Francisco allocation question. Do you feel like the way that we're doing this allocation in the state is the way it should be done, or is L.A. going direct to the CDC kind of figured something out here? Yeah, I think this is um, not new within the public health realm. There are many initiatives that have happened throughout time where larger metropolitan areas have received larger allocations of funding or supply. Uh, L.A. is not alone. New York City, Chicago, several other large areas where we anticipate more spread of viral infection are receiving higher allocations. And I think we would expect that, especially within the realm of HIV, where those cities have traditionally had a direct pipeline for resources and funding from the federal government in ways that the balance of state may not always. Yeah, yeah. Um, We have some questions coming in. And Fernando, I think I want to take this one to you. You know, Susan writes... I'd love to understand why part of the solution isn't abstaining for a while from from sex until more vaccines are available, just as we all had to stay home, avoid parties, et cetera, during COVID to reduce transmission. That's a really good question. Uh, I think that it's important to contextualize. We're almost on year three of uh, of uh, of isolating ourselves for uh, because of COVID-19. And as human beings, we're social beings. Uh, after a good amount of time, uh, 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 the restrictions were lifted. So what is it that you have? We have our first gay pride this, uh, uh, this year, uh, one month ago. Uh, it was expected that people were going to be out, et cetera. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, there is some, uh, uh, if you look at the CDC website, there are, uh, there's some recommendations in terms of abstaining to have sex while people are actively infected. Uh, which I think that that's a uh, uh, that's a sound advice. However, I think uh, uh, 
in my previous life being a health educator, I always try to think in terms of how is it that we can be uh, uh, in terms of positive instead of uh, the health professionals coming and uh, wagging their fingers and telling their clients mm-hmm. or patients, you know what, no, do not do this, but rather mm-hmm. what is that we can do to reduce the harm and the risk, et cetera. I think that that's, that would be very important in terms of uh, of empowering people to make their own decisions. I think that uh, 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 if we do that, we go back to what I uh, uh, had mentioned, confianza, the building of trust between providers and clients and patients. I think that that would be a good way of uh, of proceeding with this. Uh, it's not uh, uh, how would I mention it a uh, a uh, a straight answer, but I think that uh, with that with that uh, strategy, I think that we would be more successful in engaging with clients and patients. Yeah, I you know I am curious. Tyler, how you would respond to that question, and I'm going to just piggyback on one of our listeners' uh, comments here. Andrew writes in to say, you know, monkeypox isn't AIDS. Monkeypox is also not COVID. California has less than 500 confirmed cases and uh, suggests that overcompensating for COVID public policy failures is not a good strategy. Kind of seems like Andrew is saying maybe this is overhyped. Do you think that is true, or how would you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say that this is not overhyped. We're treating this as a very serious public health crisis in our community. We started a hotline at Magnet, our sexual health clinic at San Francisco AIDS Foundation, which is receiving one to two phone calls per minute. Many of those phone callers are frightened. They've never heard of monkeypox before. They may have just received news that someone they know has been exposed or they were at a party or event where there was exposure and they don't know what they're supposed to do. Testing is limited. There's limited vaccine. Um, So I think that there is uh, a lot of fear circulating in the community, but there are valid reasons for that. We are distributing doses of vaccine as soon as we receive them and filling appointments at our sexual health clinic of more than 4,000 people on our waiting list at the fastest rate that we can, Mm. but both from a preventative measure for folks who want the vaccine to potentially prevent monkeypox or those who may have been exposed, which is the only way we can currently be distributing the vaccine. Um, There's just a a complicated uh, moment that we're in where we're trying to control the fear, but also ring the alarm about the seriousness of the current issue and how it could spread. In terms of Um, whether we should be telling folks to abstain from sex. I think we have learned throughout time and much research that telling people to abstain is not going to work in all cases. Um, And in a lot of cases, it's not going, uh, it's definitely not going to work. And so instead, as public health professionals, we have a responsibility to create a set of coordinated sex positive harm reduction-based messaging for the community that allows them to understand how to remain safe during this public health crisis if they do choose to engage in ongoing sexual behavior with multiple partners, which would make them at higher risk. Um, And we're working every day with our partners in local public health and in other community health clinics to ensure that that messaging is getting out to the community, especially as we continue through the street festival season here in San Francisco. Mm You know, Susan, uh, Philip, on the harm reduction point, Kathy writes in to say, are these cases usually from non-protected sex? Do condoms help? 
Yeah, thank you for that question. You know, the, the lesions of monkeypox are spread by skin-to-skin contact. So uh, condoms don't cover uh, all the skin area, uh, obviously. And so condoms are not going to be the most effective strategy. And I do, I very much agree with, with, my, uh, with my colleagues in public health, um, uh, Deputy Director Gomez Benitez and Dr. Termir, to say that harm reduction is the approach that San Francisco will need to take. And we have a lot of strengths in, in uh, relationships and, that have been built with community and organizations during COVID, but even stretching back to HIV and, and our uh, success as a city in, in working together. So this harm reduction approach is really important. And we want people to be watchful for lesions, um, to uh, not uh, engage in sex if they are noticing skin lesions, to have those evaluated immediately. And for people to understand that, you know, condoms protect against other sexually transmitted infections. This is uh, an, an infection, a virus that is spread through close contact, including sex. So skin-to-skin contact um, is, is really uh, really the issue, and condoms are not fully protective, but there are steps that people can take now, including awareness uh, and watching for symptoms and talking with partners and, and getting informed themselves. Yeah. Susan Phillip, um, uh, listener Kyla writes in to say, for an individual, what are the practical consequences of illness? Does someone have to be off work or quarantined due to symptoms or contagiousness? Do the lesions scar? Do they appear on the face? Are there long-term neurological consequences? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, the the lesions can be quite painful. Uh, They can occur in in various parts of the body, wherever the the skin-to-skin contact occurs. We have been seeing during these outbreaks that um, it it, it has been in the genital area, in the the uh, perirectal area as well, and um, and they can be quite uh, quite painful. It can also uh, take a long time for them to heal, weeks uh, for them to heal, um, sometimes, you know, two weeks to, to four weeks or even a little bit longer. And until those lesions have completely healed over, people can transmit, the, the virus can transmit from those lesions to other people. So those areas have to be covered and um, and uh, people should not be in contact, skin-to-skin contact while those lesions occur. So, you know, depending on where the lesions are, people may not be able to go to work. They may need to um, isolate at home and um, and then, you know, not, not be in close contact with other people. The other thing I would say is that clothing and, and bed sheets, those should not be shared uh, from a person who has monkeypox to others. So it, it does make it complicated for people that are living with others um, and, and are concerned about transmitting virus to partners or to family or friends. So when we talk about skin-to-skin contact, um, there could be people out there who are thinking, wait, does a hug count as skin-to-skin contact? Like, do we know sort of what dose you need? You know, we became familiar with COVID, right, of like mm-hmm. determining what a close contact was and, and coming up with some guidelines about what that might look like. What, how would you define that for monkeypox? Well, I think as, as Dr. Ramoyne reminded us, we, we don't know uh, as much about monkeypox as we would like to, even though this is not a new, uh, not a new virus. It is, it is transmitting uh, in, a, in a somewhat different way and more effectively from person to person. But what, from what we understand, it is, it is significant skin-to-skin contact. So it is not, nece- it's not a, a casual uh, handshake or a casual hug. But, uh, you know, prolonged um, contact with, with skin, sex is a, is a good example of the way it can be transmitted, but it could be um, asexual skin-to-skin contact if it's prolonged. And, you know, there really do, from what we understand, have to be lesions there. You know, again, we're learning more about what the underlying transmission dynamics are, but it's, it's really looking and being aware of those lesions, getting anything new and unexplained 
um, evaluated if, if possible. And uh, having that awareness is important. Yeah, Tyler uh, Termier, uh, CEO, San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Have you been exploring sort of other kinds of vaccine solutions? For example, Joseph tweets, do we know that administration of the smallpox vaccine now won't protect monkey, won't protect against severe disease from monkeypox? There are lots of smallpox vaccines available now. Yeah, you know, at this point, we are working closely with our local and state public health partners on what's available um, in the market, which is the Genios vaccine um, for us here in the area. We know that there are research um, studies that are wanting to contemplate what might else work for folks, but at this time, um, and with how complicated the response has been and ensuring that we are answering people's questions and concerns, that we are getting folks linked to vaccine sites. Um, we're dealing with the one vaccine we have access to, which is the Genios vaccine. Mm-hmm. Let's bring in a question from Marvin in San Francisco. Welcome, Marvin. Hey, good morning. Is there a another a scientific name for monkeypox? Monkeypox just sounds really colloquial, and yeah. I'm wondering if there's a another name. Yeah, another way of, of describing it. Uh, Susan Phillip? You know, it, it is it is known as the monkeypox virus, but as we as we learned early in the hour, it, it is a misnomer. That is, it is not uh, found in monkeys, and there's been a, a push to really rename it and have it be um, less stigmatizing and more and more accurate. But as of now, that is that is what it is called in public health and uh, clinical and scientific. Uh, communities. Yeah. I guess, I mean, it's a rodent pox may not actually be any like, you know, less stigmatizing. Thank you for that uh, question, Marvin. Uh, We have uh, one other uh, quick question to get to. Uh, Barbara in San Francisco as well. Welcome. That's what a segue you've provided for me. (laughs) I wanted to know how rodents might be involved. Being a port city, we have rats. I've seen them. Some are as big as cats called Norwegian Wharf Rats. I've seen them downtown mm-hmm. after they've been hit by cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something in the fleas of the rodents, or is it the rodents themselves? And if we encounter a rats, which they're all over the city, mm-hmm. what, must we, what must we do to prevent direct contact with this particular um, infect, infecting uh, disease? Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Barbara. Uh, Susan, I'm going to throw this one uh, again to you. Do we have to worry about rodents as a vector for this disease? We, we do not at this time. And, and the reason is that the rodents that uh, are infected are, are, largely, um, are largely found in the endemic regions in West uh, and Central Africa. There have been instances where rodents have transmitted to other small animals like prairie dogs. That's where the outbreak came from about 20 years ago. And then humans have gotten it from those animals. But as of now, we, we don't have indications that 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 this is um, that there are rodents that are being infected or that are infected in the city. So I really uh, we're not advising that people have concerns about that route of transmission. But of course, we're you know continuing to follow the national and state and, and local um, science. And, and if something changes with that, we'll let people know. But for now, it is really human to human, skin to skin contact and and close face to face contact with these sort of large respiratory droplets or or um, saliva being transmitted yeah. to each other. Tyler, do you think that 
Given how much organizing the gay community has done around HIV and AIDS and just the, the development of harm reduction like within the community, like where do you think that leaves our local communities here in terms of trying to deal with this kind of novel in, infectious disease? Yeah, I think a lot of folks are trying to um, or are reflective in this moment of what happened in the earliest days of the epidemic. I have been trying to caution folks not to draw a direct correlation between this moment and the beginning of the HIV epidemic, because I truly believe as someone who is living with HIV for the last 18 years myself um, and and, and I'm standing on the shoulders of so many giants of that earliest movement to fight for our lives Um, that the story of HIV really has its own crucially important yet complicated and tragic memoir that is a scar on American history and that um, needs its its own moment of reflection in an ongoing way. But what is similar and should be noted in this moment is that lack of urgency that once exists when a public health crisis is impacting the men who have sex with men population and that we've been left on our own to share information, to ensure that folks know when clinics are popping up and to support one another when you may stand in a line for a day and may not get access to the vaccine that you feel that you need and deserve. And to rally together to fight against um, what has been yet again another public health failure that may not have existed if it was impacting another population because the urgency may be at a heightened level. Yeah. You know, what about uh, gay communities outside of San Francisco proper? Are you helping them out or how should people tap into those networks? Yeah, I think that there are movements of uh, people across this country from the LGBTQ plus community that are rallying to push back against this public health failure at the federal level to demand transparency at the local and state public health levels where there may not be as strong of relationships as we have currently here in in California. Um, And there are many petitions floating through social networks uh, on how folks can reach out to their elected officials or directly to HHS or the Centers for Disease Control to demand a more urgent response to this current uh, crises in our community. Yeah. And, but what about like just like sort of within the region? You know, you're in Sonoma, you're in Berkeley. Like, is there one clearinghouse for sort of Bay Area folks to go to see like, OK, in my in, around here, here's where I can go for help on monkeypox? Yeah, you know, there's not one um, clearinghouse of, of knowing what all is happening in every corner of California. But, um, you know, I think a good place always to start is if you have a local HIV organization um, or a level, local public health entity that's working on vaccine distribution, trying to reach out to them with your questions or concerns. Folks uh, from anywhere can reach out to us on our monkeypox hotline at San Francisco AIDS Foundation, and we can get you connected to the appropriate area of the state if you're not within our region. And if you're looking to take action in a more robust way, San Francisco AIDS Foundation currently has a sign-on call to action um, to the federal government for a more robust response. They will go to your website. That was Tyler Termir, CEO of San Francisco AIDS Foundation. We've also been joined by Fernando Gomez Benitez, Deputy Director of the Mission Neighborhood Health Center, and Susan Phillip, Director of the Population Health Division at the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Earlier, we were joined by UCLA Professor Anne Ramoyne. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.